0: uctoday.com Hello and welcome to the Microsoft Loud monthly podcast. Today I am joined as always by Tom Arbuthnot, Microsoft MVP from Modality Systems to bring you all the latest updates on Microsoft's communication and collaboration platforms. We recorded this month's pod prior to the news breaking that Microsoft have announced the retirement date for Skype for Business Online. So before we get into the original pod, which included all the news from Microsoft's Inspire event, some updates on Skype for Business surf, and some other teams related news, I managed to catch up with Tom again to get his reaction to the breaking news. Have a listen. So, Tom, bonus section of the podcast. We recorded this month's pod at the, at the beginning of the week, at the end of, of July for August. And then a couple of days later, you sent me an email and said Skype for Business Online is being retired.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's typical, isn't it? You get the recording done and then news breaks, but that's the, the cloud and the speed of change, I guess.
0: Well, I was as, as I did it. I was thinking, Tom, I'm pretty. You must have got the heads up about this, but it, it, it broke. Um, well, it was on the on the 30th of June, I think. Microsoft Teams published a blog.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it came out on the Microsoft Teams blog rather than Skype for Business blog. But it was uh, essentially a, a pretty big announcement for Microsoft that Skype for Business Online, specifically Online, will be retired. So that means no more service, no more access from the 31st of July, 2021.
0: And it sounds like quite a long time away, but I was looking at some follow-up on your posts on social media and some other bits. Actually, 2021, although it's a couple of years away, it takes a long time to implement, especially if it's a big organization. So companies will, have it, will be having to think about this now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's good to have a public date out there so we, everyone knows where they stand. So, so contractually, Microsoft Cloud Services adhere to a 12-month notice for major changes. So actually, Microsoft have doubled that notice period they have to give contractually. But you're right, like to a lot of customers, it's not a huge jump. If you're just using Skype for chat and a bit of conferencing, it's, it's relatively straightforward. But if you're using it as your telephony platform in the cloud, there's lots of things to consider, gateways to change, configuration to change. But even on the non-technical, you're moving the user's experience. So I feel like two years is a a fair amount of time to give for companies to change from one platform to the other. And it's not as if this wasn't sort of on the radar before, you know, you could see what Microsoft's direction was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we've been talking about this for a while, that Skype for Business Online was in, in sort of direct competition with Teams. So, so it was never going to last. Forever. And as you pointed out, we, we should be absolutely clear. This doesn't, of course, fa- affect Skype for Business Server 2019 or all the consumer versions of Skype.
1: Yeah, that's important to point out because Microsoft uses the name interchangeably. So Skype Business Server, no change in date. The dates are already public. They're on the blog, that no change there. And Skype Consumer is a completely different beast again. So no changes there, it's just online. And then even if you're in online now, there's no changes for you as an existing customer until that day. So you can keep adding users, you can keep using everything you used before, the same as before. There's no immediate impact. This is just the warning of you've got two years to make your transition. So, so what what exactly is the time?
0: Do we get any other dates in between now and, and the end of service retirement date in 2021? Was there anything else that was important to look out for? And and also, that Microsoft did release some information, and I know you're very au fait with, in terms of how they're helping customers migrate to teams anyway. And, and we reported before that they were already doing some automatic upgrades of suitable tenancies.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've already been doing automatic upgrades where they give you a warning and they automatically push you into Teams that they take care of it for you. That stuff will continue. You get plenty of notifications saying it's coming and you can defer it. Obviously, now we know what the end date is where you can no longer defer it. So I would assume that Microsoft will keep ramping those automatic upgrade process for customers that want it, but you'll only have the highest deferring date of that end date. For very big customers, Microsoft will be in direct contact talking about how to help handle the migration. the only other date that's worth noting in the blog was from the September the 1st, 2019, so not very long away, all new Office 365 tenants will be Teams only. So from that date, if you're a new net new customer, you'll just go straight to Teams, which again makes sense. Like why would you go to Skype only to jump to Teams anyway? so that that's going to be the case you'll just hit the ground running with teams skype won't have existed as a sign-inable service for you and new tenants
0: excellent well i I think that pretty much covers it off it's exciting for us with with a bit of breaking news so so tom thank you for for a brief reaction on that
1: yeah no worries yeah it's good good to stay on top of this stuff and if listeners have got questions or comments or feedback if they can hit them in the relevant post we'll make sure that the next pod goes into that in any more detail people want to go into it So that was Tom's reaction to the news that Skype for Business Online now
0: has a set retirement date. As he said, if you have any more questions or queries about that, please do get in touch with us. And in next month's episode, we can go into that in a little bit more detail. Now we can go back to the original podcast as planned. Enjoy. As usual, loads to discuss from from a Microsoft perspective. And I was excited when you, because you obviously do all the work for this and you sent me the running order of the main bits of news. Further down in the news, which we'll come on to, there was Skype, which, I mean, we haven't talked about for a seemingly month.
1: Yeah, two bits of Skype business news, which is uh, unusual in these days. So, yeah, lots to talk about there.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm excited to come on to that. But first of all, I think we should look back at Microsoft Inspire. And obviously, you guys from Modality were there. What what, what were the main headlines from Inspire?
1: yeah so so for those that don't know inspire is the the microsoft partner conference so ignite is the one where the customers go and you you know kind of customer facing this is the partner facing one so it's interesting because it gives you an idea of what microsoft are focusing on for the coming financial year because that's their, their aligning partners to basically say you should be focusing on this selling this doing more of that and like it was really dominated by Azure, unsurprisingly, like there's a new Azure migration program, there's a new AI Accelerate program. Obviously, Azure is front of mind for Microsoft. But on the on the knowledge worker front, Office five front, it was very much Microsoft Teams, what's going on in that space, the the frontline worker story, dynamics and lens and security definitely came up as well as big themes. But undoubtedly, and kind of selfishly from my point of view, it was very clear that Teams was, was front and center. Oh, yeah. And, the, and there was some pretty big news. So Microsoft have been quite good about giving
0: us statistics for Teams in terms of, you know, it was the fastest growing business application ever. And they gave us the amount of org, but we were never sure on amount of users. And that's a statistic that companies like Slack in the collaboration space have been quite keen to say, oh, you know, we've got seven million daily active daily users and, and then 10 million. And we got that for Teams, didn't we, during Inspire?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft are often very good at giving you percentage growth without giving you the original number. So this has gone up 50%, this has gone up 60%, but you, you never knew the baseline. For the the first time we got the daily active users, which is a more standard way, kind of, you know, Silicon Valley web app way of measuring usage. And it's pretty impressive. It's 13 million daily active users of teams and 19 million weekly active users. We don't get like a tight definition of what active means, but we do know it's not just logging in, it is some kind of engagement in the product. And interestingly, it's 3 million above when Slack announced their 10 million daily active users, which was a while ago. I think it was January they announced. So it's six months later, but Microsoft's number is clearly well over what Slack's was at the time they announced in January.
0: Yeah, and we should say, obviously, that's in a a lot quicker period as well that that it's reached that. And I know something I saw from you on social media that you picked up on. And although you said the the 10 million day active daily users from Slack was a little while ago, they didn't come back and say, well, we've got more than 13 million at, at any point.
1: Yeah, it feels like that's the thing you would do, right? If you were Slack and yeah. you had the number up, you'd be straight back with the press release going, well, that was January. And now we're at 15. Like de- deflate the team story really quickly. That didn't come and hasn't come. So I would assume the number is lower. Maybe they're waiting for some big announcement or something. You don't know. You never know. But there's been no immediate response from Slack saying, well, we'll, we've blown past that number. And it was quite interesting that the response that did come from Slack, which I I know you picked up on. Yeah, I did a quick blog on this. Uh, It was interesting. The Slack CEO immediately kind of came back and said that he's not worried about teams and doesn't perceive teams as a threat. Which seems like an odd response, considering Teams is widely regarded as like a direct competitor, and and he tried to make similes to kind of Google versus Bing, and that Microsoft put a lot of money into Bing, and yet Google's still the dominant force, or Google trying to do social with Google Plus failing, kind of implying that there's a DNA aspect to this. But it, it, I mean, it, fair enough, he's got to come up with a public response. You know, he's he's got a job to do, but. Microsoft Office 365 now has 180 million monthly active users, so that 13 million is not even scratching the surface of the people already paying for Office 365 that already have access to Teams. I only see this Teams number going one way. So interesting that you would be so bold as to say he doesn't see it as a threat. I don't quite see how that lines up.
0: No, and there there must be a huge number of organizations that Slack have as customers that are using Office 365. And if Teams, and I think arguably a lot of people would say it's already very, very close, if if not ahead in some areas in terms of functionality, that that's got to be a threat to their, to either thinking, well, why are we duplicating? Why are we having multiple collaboration synchronous hub chat platforms when we can, you know, just use Teams?
1: Definitely. Uh, I don't want to be down on Slack. and I think actually Microsoft is at their best when there's a strong competitor. So I don't really want to see Slack go because it keeps everybody on their toes. It's good for the market. It's good for everybody. But Slack getting people to pay for Slack when Teams is bundled in Office 365, it doesn't have to just be as good. It has to be exponentially better for a CFO to say, I see the business value of paying for this, as they will perceive it on top of the other thing. So I think Slack have got a great team, and they're doing a lot of good things, but they've got definitely got a challenge on their hands as this becomes part of the Office 365 portfolio.
0: Yeah, undoubtedly Microsoft Teams is a challenger in that space. So Obviously, from Inspire, Teams is, is one of the main themes, and obviously you mentioned some of the other ones which sound pretty interesting, and HoloLens I always get pretty interested in. So Teams is one of the main themes. We, we got the user numbers, but there, there was also some, we, we talked about the, the call recording as well. Is that, is that potentially coming?
1: Yeah, that was an interesting little, uh, just a side announcement in a blog, which is quite a big deal for a lot of our customers. So Microsoft officially announced that they're working for uh, working on compliance call recording. So not call recording as in I can record a meeting. That's in the product today. But this is call recording that meets the financial or kind of pharmaceutical or any other regulated industry requirement to record calls and meetings for a compliance reason. Uh, And they are working with ASC, NICE, and Verint, three kind of well-respected vendors in the space who are all working under NDA on the Microsoft certification program. So just a little hint that we should look forward to a legitimate Enterprise-grade kind of compliance recording story in the future,
0: and that's one of those things. Obviously, we we record over Teams meetings. That's been there for ages. But you and I have been talking for a long time about sort of Teams catching up with with the calling phone functionality that you'd expect from an enterprise-level phone system. And it's just another one of those additions, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a huge tick in the box, particularly for financials. And even if they're not using it for their phone system, just as a meetings platform in financials, you need to have compliance recording. So that will unblock a whole bunch of people that have been using Teams maybe for collab and not going into audio video because they can't have those permanent recordings. And, and the recording platforms do more than just record. They look through for you know keyword analysis and sentiment analysis, and they'll store this person's recordings for so long, and this person's recording for so long, and these in Germany because they're German recordings, and these in London because they're London recordings. So there's a whole bunch of boxes that need to be ticked for a particular organization to use this kind of platform.
0: Okay then. So so Teams took a, a fair share of of the headlines at, at Inspire, but as we mentioned earlier on, there is this month, well, these last few weeks, there there is some some Skype news.
1: Yeah, yeah. Skype Skype got no headlines because Microsoft are not pushing it anymore, as we know. But for those following along, there is still Skype stuff happening. So Skype Business Server twenty nineteen got its first cumulative update. So that's a bunch of patches from Microsoft that give you both fixes and new functionality and in this one there are a few little additions in terms of features so microsoft added a new html5 based control panel and, and what that is is a, a semi-replacement for what was previously in the product or is in the product i should say which is a silver light based control panel I won't go into the weeds but silver light is a flash like technology it's got an end of life it's, it's, it's technology roadmap is done html is going the future so microsoft are doing an html5 based control panel the slight gotcha there is they're replacing the core functionality but they don't intend to 100 percent duplicate the control panel so you'll still need some powershell there for the more advanced stuff
0: on those updates we we've talked about this before and we weren't expecting you know any radical new features or functions as you said but you know, updates and, and fixes. But I suppose mm. this is sort of, it, although these are new functions, they're just keeping it up to date with m- modern technology trends, effectively.
1: Yes, exactly. These are necessary because the support lifecycle for Skype for Business until X, so Microsoft have committed publicly and to customers that it'll be supported into X. But the Silverlight is only Y less than X, so they have to have an option. And And modern, you know, modern browsers and modern experiences don't support or, Reluctantly, sports over like you know its plugins and everything else. So it's just keeping the customers that are on a Skype journey up to date and intact and usable, basically. Uh, and were you going to say, was there anything else sort of newish in that? Yeah, two two other features, and again, these have just been long time asks from Skype business customers. So Cepha Util, which is a bit of a mouthful, is a, a an ability to set phone settings remotely for users. So be able to set them to forward to their boss, or forward their phone where they're, when they're on holiday, or set their delegates. That's been a third, uh, a resource kit exe, um, not third party, but kind of bundled in the product. They've brought that natively into PowerShell and Microsoft scripting language. And the response groups, the things that do auto attend hum groups, they've always been a manual failover. So in DR, you'd have to fail them over manually or by script. Now that's automated. So these are like of the long-term asks from customers. Those are some of the top long-term asks, which shows that Microsoft is still putting some effort into meeting those customer requirements. Yeah, of course. Was there
0: was there anything final or was the rest just fixes and patches and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, that's it. Those three are the big new things. Everything else was just fixes and patches. So, you know, to, to an end user, nothing new at all. To admins, a bit of an improved experience. And on your blog, there was also some
0: clarification around Skype for Business Server 2019 virtualization capabilities rights.
1: Yeah, this has been uh, going back and forth on Twitter and LinkedIn for quite a long time and it was an interesting one. So Skype for Business and Link before it. uh, Link 2013 was definitely supported on virtualization and there was a white paper. Skype for Business Server 2015 was supported on virtualization but there was no new guidance given. And When Skype for Business Server 2019 came out, it wasn't really clear if Microsoft were supporting it on virtual, recommending on virtual, not supporting on virtual at all. And, and one of the um, senior supportability program managers reached out to me, um, Corbin Meek, and I'm glad he did kind of say, here's here's some clarification for, for customer projects. So Skype for Business Server 2019 is supported on virtualization, as long as you deploy it in line with Microsoft's recommendations for Link Server uh, 2013. But that recommendation stuff is fairly old. So they're saying, if you can, hold on, because there's new guidance coming specifically for Skype for Business Server 2019. It's pretty big news, that, isn't it, in general? Because
0: virtual infrastructure is becoming more and more popular and makes a lot more sense in terms of
1: server optimization generally. It definitely. It's, it's, it's a funny one, because Microsoft are not fans of virtualization, because it 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 adds additional risk and overhead and complexity if it's done right, and we have loads of customers running it, in fact, you know, probably the majority of our customers run on virtual, it works absolutely fine. But what happens is very often is virtualization allows you to use to do more with less, to use more, uh, more servers, less hardware. In Skype Business, you basically have to allocate servers one-to-one, virtual to physical. So you're not saving money on servers. In fact, you're adding money because you're adding the complexity of virtualization. But what customers love is they have a single way to deploy is a single way to manage them, a single way to back them up, all that kind of stuff. So if customers use virtualization to say, double up the CPUs when they're not really there, when you get to a big conference on Skype, you'll hear cool quality issues and Skype as a product gets the blame. So even if you're big Microsoft are, well, I guess regardless of size, Microsoft would always rather you do physical. And if you do virtual, you have to adhere to these guidelines or you will hit some kind of issue at some point.
0: But, but as he said, the current guidelines are obviously for Link 2013. So there's new ones coming. Did he give an indication of when that might be?
1: Yeah, no, no public indication coming. to you mean know, the, the 2013 guidelines are are very old, as in date-wise, obviously. But they're they're basically dedicate the hardware and put virtual on top, so that they still stand. Hopefully, before the end of the year, we'll see some some real guidance where they've tested 2019 and said this is the exact way we recommend it's done. Got oh, you. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, so that covers us off for the for the Sky News, pretty much. Let's let's go back to back to the <laughs>
1: yeah the Sky the Skype audience can tune back out now. If they want. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: it. You can, t- you can turn it back off now. I'll flag in the in the recording in the in the article when we speak about Skype but for not very long. There was a good couple of minutes there, which has beaten the the past few podcasts. Anyway. Yeah. So th- there's a few more updates for Teams before we go. T- Teams Rooms uh, user interface.
1: Yeah. So so um, Microsoft Teams Rooms been been around for a long while. Previously, they were called Skype Room Systems. Microsoft have just released an update that kind of takes them from the old purple, and you might know it's current purple UI in those rooms, just to update to look exactly like the current uh, Microsoft Teams desktop application. So, the kind of black and purple, and new UI and new iconography. So, a nice little update in terms of the visuals. Uh, There's also a couple of updates in terms of experience. So, they now support receiving microsoft whiteboard which means that they can uh, they can't yet start a whiteboard session but they can receive it and if you've got a touchscreen you can even engage in the whiteboard session directly on teams rooms there'll, there'll be ability to start a whiteboard session from the room systems in the future and also they've added a rate my call experience at the end so on the desktop client for ages you would be able to rate your call at the end give it a number of stars now you can do that from the room as well and i
0: suppose that's just it
1: providing uniformity
0: across the, the different platforms, like you said, whether it's desktop or whether you're on a on a Teams room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the intent is that all the platforms, whether you're on Mac, PT, web, iOS, Android, rooms, all look the same, the buttons do the same thing. That's a big part of the value proposition with Teams is that you can just walk into a room and know what you're doing. So making sure that's lined up with the current uh, UI and iconography is important.
0: Yeah, and you've always told me how important that is for adoption. So that, that seems to make complete sense. The, the the other piece of news is about uh, data data residency in in South Africa. Is is this a new territory?
1: Yeah, this is uh, this has come around pretty quickly actually. So Microsoft announced uh, a few days ago that they had Office 365 added to their latest data center. So I think they're the first big cloud provider to have dedicated data centers in or kind of on the African continent and in South Africa. Yeah, 25th of July, they announced that general availability of Office 365 in those data centers, and just yesterday, uh, which was the 28th, for uh, people listening to the recording, they announced that you can have Microsoft Teams data residency, which means you can have your data local in those DCs, and it stays locally in that region. And as we've discussed before, in
0: in various regions, it, people might think, "Oh, why is that so important?" But but actually, a a lot of compliance regulation says that you, you know, you have to have it locally.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a number of regions where Microsoft now do that. And exactly that, you know, the notorious ones are Germany and governments, things like the UK. But you can now have local data in just reading out now, South Africa, France, Australia, Japan, UK, India, Canada and South Korea. So in all those regions, if you set up right, and typically it's new tenants you can elect to have your data stay local, which um, clearly by the money Microsoft are investing in these things because it takes extra work to do that. Um, there's obviously enough of a customer demand to want that local data sovereignty.
0: Yeah, and I was just about to say that I suppose that depends on customer demand. And as as customer demand expands, we can expect to see that list demand as well to other countries as soon as yeah. it gets a certain point where it's and, worthwhile.
1: And it's another one of those points that they're kind of in Microsoft's favor because they are their Azure and their Office 365 and their security and everything else, they can afford to make their data center investments in all these regions because they're selling Azure and Office 365. If you're just a collaboration play, can you justify having local data centers in all these regions? Like possibly not. So it plays to Microsoft's advantage to be like, we have all this accessibility, this great dark fiber network, these local DCs. It adds up to quite a good story for collaboration.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Finally, video interoperability and and Pexip and Poly and, and BlueJeans as well.
1: Yeah, all, all three. So there are three certified vendors that allow you to bring standards-based rooms into kind of Microsoft world. So you can take any any Cisco room, any life-size room, anything else, and through a gateway in the cloud, bring them into a Microsoft Teams meeting. And all three have offered some form of free channels, typically for about a year. Poly's is based on you buy some of their kit or you have their existing endpoints and they'll give you some free channels. BlueJeans seems to just be um, not tied to anything other than you having some standard space rooms and wanting to use their stuff. And Pextip, if you buy new Skype room system, sorry, uh, Microsoft Teams Team Rooms, the new name, or surface hubs, then they'll give you a couple of free channels to use as well. They're so just a nice little option for customers to test that world out. Like none of them are enough to run a big production enterprise on, but it's a, a good taster of those services to understand, you know, how they work and how you can bring in standards-based rooms. Yeah, and it's quite important in terms of the direction we're going in, and, and we're
0: always talking about it more interoperability between these platforms.
1: Yeah, definitely, it's an interesting one because kind of all the big vendors are are building their own platforms with proprietary kind of interconnect these days. So it's a, the, the big vendors are pulling in a walled garden type motion. But the reality is, of UC is you need to allow some interoperability for those, particularly the investment in room systems can be quite big. So even if you're planning on moving to Microsoft Teams rooms and getting the proximity join and the single UI and all the flash, you know, the interactive whiteboards and the ghosting behind the whiteboards, all that stuff is well and good. But if you've gone out and spent tens or hundreds of thousands or millions in some of our big customers on room systems, there's a life cycle for those, and they need to show their value. So this is the way that through those gateway services you can keep those rooms active and useful in a team's meeting. Perfect. Well, I think that's pretty much it for the for the news
0: highlights, Tom. Unless I've missed anything.
1: No, I think that's it. It's funny, you know, you'd think that coming into July and August it would be quiet, but thanks to the uh, Inspire conference, there's been a few. A few interesting bits there, definitely the daily active users are interesting. So we'll see I think August will probably be surprisingly quiet, so we'll see how the uh, the next podcast goes in terms of news. Maybe we'll dip into some some opinion or some future gazing or something. but yeah, that's it for now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think famous last words saying August will be quiet, but obviously it picks up again in September and, and back into the new year. So, so we'll see what it's like next month. But as always, Tom, thanks so much for taking us through all the news. Yeah, thanks Patrick. Good spending some time
1: and uh, see you on the next one I hope for
0: Big thanks to Tom for coming onto to the podcast and also for letting us know about the Skype for Business online breaking news. If you need any more details on that or on anything else that we discussed in today's pod, you can find that on our website at uctoday.com or on Tom's blog at tomtalks.uk. That's it for today's episode. I would like to remind you, you can also watch videos of our podcast recordings now on the UC Today News YouTube channel where you can see Tom and I discussing all the news and we also add in some visual accompaniments for you. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to recommend the podcast to any friends that might be interested and also leave nice reviews if you can. For now though, a big thanks for listening.